God is good. All the time. Very good. Now, y'all haven't forgotten what you promised me last week, right? Amen. Okay. Just checking. Just checking. We're going to start this morning in 2 Timothy 1, 9. This morning, and we'll start there and then we'll go to Matthew. Hope you have heard or at least read that message. This is Dr. Martin Luther King month, the, the day we had the other day, not month, but celebrated that. I, I have a dream. Hope you read that message or at least heard it. I have. And as a Southerner, I'm not offended by it at all. Talks about sons of Confederate soldiers, and I am one of those. My family fought for the southern side in the Civil War. I'm not going to say the right side. <laughs> We're not going to get into that this morning and have another Civil War. Uh, but on, on, that, on that side, but he talks about it. He talks about, too, children of the light, children of darkness. And he talks a lot about us changing and being more than we are. And we certainly need to, that, to do that. And to, he talks about the judging people by, and I love, I always love this, uh, but not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Amen? Amen. And uh, it's a great sermon. But it is calling us to be more than we are. And this is January, and this is I spend all the month talking about, you know, we did the other Sunday talking about turnip greens, y'all like that, about, about doing your duty. And then your duty becomes what you want to do. Today I want to talk about us just being a little more than we are. Maybe not a little more, maybe a lot more. There is every everyone in this room that's been redeemed by the blood... By the precious blood of Jesus Christ and born again and blessed with the Holy Spirit of God in your heart, there's not a one of you that can't change. And there is something that God wants you to do this year, this month, now to change for Him. Amen? I didn't sound good. That's not a good start. Amen? Amen? It's a little better. Okay. Let's look at what it says here in 2 Timothy and 1.9. Who saved us and called us with a holy calling. You know you're all called with a holy calling. And that means also to be holy. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And then it says, in second, you don't need to turn there, I'll read it for you. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 He has chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. In other words, Jesus has called us in two dominant areas. To live a life serving Him and to live a holy life honoring Him. Amen? Yes. yes. This is why Paul says in Philippians, I haven't attained, 
but I'm pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, we know we're sinful. We know that sometimes we don't accomplish what we should, but God is calling us with His purpose toward a divine calling, which is more than probably most of us are doing today. In fact, I'm sure of it. God is challenging us, each one of us, to be more than what we are. Every day, every month, every year, we can be more. We can do more as a church. Uh, Turn to Matthew chapter 14. And Jesus spent some time doing this with his disciples as well. Challenging them. And the first thing we find in chapter 14 verse 20 We find the disciples eating, and I'm all about eating. And the baskets were filled, the fragments of rain were twelve baskets full. Well, if you read the story of verse 17, they only had a few fishes and a few loaves of bread. And they said, what is this with so many? The people are hungry. They need to eat. Jesus, what are we going to do? Let's send them home. We don't have any way to take care of these people. There was a need, and Jesus said, I'm going to meet that need. And he performed this wonderful miracle in front of them to show his power and what he can do and how he can overcome circumstances, how he can over, how, I mean, how do you explain that? There was a basket with a few loaves of bread and people kept taking bread and after 5,000 people had, there was still left over, left over. You know, when Jesus does something, he doesn't give just a little bit. He gives leftover. I mean, his blessings, his love. Remember, I explained that to you, the the thing of, in the New Testament, the, the phrase about his love was an overflowing love, a love that he gives to us, and it's like filling a glass with water, and it overflows and wrenches everything around it. Well, the same thing is true of his blessings. Boy, when he sends something... Our way, he sends a lot. God has blessed my life. What about you? Amen. Amen. Has God blessed your life? If he has, say amen. Amen. Like you mean it. Okay, there you go. And he has. But what a great miracle they had just witnessed. They had just witnessed. Now look down in verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. Now that means constrained. He made them. He said, get in this ship. He compelled them. Okay? It wasn't just like, would you please get in the ship? Please, pretty please. Uh-uh. Get in the ship. Okay? This is what you're going to do. Get in the ship and go on the other side before me. And he sent the multitude away, and then Jesus went up and prayed. Well, Jesus was sending them into a storm. Jesus was sending purposely his disciples into harm's way. Can you imagine that? What kind of Savior is that? Right? That would allow us to skin our knee or allow us to go into a storm. Uh, I got news for you. Jesus allows us to do that all the time. 
Maybe some of you are going through a storm right now. You're going through a crisis or a rough spot. God knows. Jesus knew. Jesus knew everything that was about to befall them. He purposely sent them that way. We have a good Father in Heaven, and sometimes our Father in Heaven lets us skin our knees. He lets us get... You say, why do bad things happen to good people? Sometimes God's trying to get our attention. Sometimes God's trying to transform our life. Sometimes God's trying to do something in our life to get us to understand Him or to understand His grace or understand His love or His ways. And God works sometimes that way. We need to know that. I was listening to a noted uh, child Christian psychiatrist, psychologist, excuse me, on the radio the other day talking about how that we have hurt our children in this generation by trying to shield them from all the harmful things. That we've created a generation of, what's the word that I can use here, Grant? I I don't want to say. Well, children that after the election have to be counseled in college. Previous generations had to go to Vietnam or give their, shed their blood at Normandy, but this generation has to be canceled after an election. There's another one coming up. Get the counselors ready. Uh, this is the kind of society we have. We have done too much to shelter our children from harm. And folks, something wrong with our society like this. And, you know, I go back to the story. My son Jared, when he was in middle school, he was a chubby little kid, and he wanted to be a, a running back and a football player. And I thought, you know, he's a chubby little kid, you know. And he said, <laughs> he said Dad, what can I do to become a good football player? And I said, well, something that your kids your generation don't do, and I suggest you do it, get out in the heat. Stay out in the heat. Ride your bicycle. Do physical stuff. Play basketball, whatever. And you know he did it? Four years later, scholarship. Full ride scholarship to play college football. Now, the kids who are in here that I coach, and I don't know if any of them are here today. I don't think they are. I don't see John back there. But uh, they know. I tell them, get out in the heat and work. Get in the gym, work. Work hard. Get out in the heat. Get out there. Because, you know, when I grew up, we were a little tougher. We were a little tougher. We were. You say, wow, what, what made you? We didn't have air conditioning. I didn't know what air conditioning was until I was 16. Air conditioning to me was two windows, you know, two, 255, rolled out two windows at 55 miles an hour. I opened the window, turned on a fan. That was air conditioning. But... Uh, and our coaches, I remember our coaches coming out of football practice and boys, it's 113 today. Don't get too hot. <laughs> they didn't say, now, now, if any of y'all get sick, let us know. Matter of fact, they didn't even give us water. They gave us a little handful of ice. You know, I don't know. Anyway, point being is we become tougher. And Jesus was trying to think of a way to toughen their faith up. A little bit. How am I going to get these guys to understand? They just saw me perform a good miracle, a great miracle, feed 5,000 people. And listen, if I send them into this storm, maybe they'll have a little bit of faith, right? 
Maybe they've gained something from the miracle. Would you think, if you saw Jesus do that, would you walk out there with a little bit of, hmm, faith? Yeah. Well, they did. <laughs> and he sent them into harm's way. And you know, I always say we're in several stations. We're either uh, going into a storm, coming out of a storm, or in a storm. And that's true. That's life. So Jesus prayed, and I believe at least part of that prayer was for his disciples. He knew their situation. And remember this, don't ever forget this about the story. Jesus always knows our situation. Amen. Amen. He always knows our situation. Amen? Amen. All right, that's a little better. Well, I like that. Y'all keep it up. And so they got into the storm. The ship is now in the midst, verse 24, in the midst of the sea, tossed. The waves were tossing. The wind was contrary. The fourth watch of the night, Jesus came walking on the sea. So uh, what kind of condition were they in? They saw him walking on the sea. They were troubled and saying, it's a spirit. They cried out for fear. Oh, God help us. We're seeing ghosts and, and we're out here on a on an ocean and the sea is tossing and the winds are blowing and and uh, we don't know what's going to happen. So what was their condition? They were fearful. They were fearful. Now, folks, when fear takes over your life, and it can be fear or anger, any emotion like that, just, you know, and I don't know if it's anger or fear or whatever, but it's all, when you get in that state, you've left Jesus. Faith it. And by the way, there's a physiology that takes place. You ever seen anybody that was overly overwrought? And, and usually, they're what, they're shaking? You know, maybe not like that, but they're shaking. <laughs> and maybe they're having trouble even verbalizing what they're trying to say. The bu- 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 bu, you know, and they're stuttering. And you're saying, what's wrong with them? Well, they're fearful. They're upset. They're scared. You see, what happens to us, now listen to this, and don't ever forget this. When you get angry, you'll think about this. The physiology of that is when our body feels like it's in fear, it sends all those endorphins and all those things from our adrenal glands, adrenaline, to our mus- in our blood, to our muscle. It tells us that we're in danger and we're going to need to fight or something, and all of a sudden our muscles, the blood, and everything flows to our muscles, and it takes blood from guess where? Here. So everyone who's angry or fearful, they're not thinking right. Physically. You can't think clearly when the blood has been taken from your brain. Now I want you to remember that. So are you going to make a decision, or are you going to do something when you're fearful or angry? Say no. No. Because let's face it, when you're like that, you're crazy. Bottom line. You're not yourself. And how many times you hear somebody come in and cry, I wasn't myself. Well, of course you weren't. Because your, bl- your blood had left your brain. You couldn't even think straight. And this is them. They're in the boat. They're fearful. They're crying out. They're not just fearful. They're going, ah! You know, like somebody might cry out a horror movie or something. They're crying out. And listen. 
They've just seen Jesus do a great miracle, but here they are full of fear and doubt. Even when they saw Jesus, they didn't believe it was Jesus. What did they think? It was a ghost. What does Jesus say to them? Verse 27, look there. Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Is that enough for you? It's enough for me. Listen, if you have a problem today, and you're in a storm, you're having something, or you know, whatever... Jesus is there, be not afraid. And by the way, if you want to launch out today and be more than you are today, you want to be more for Jesus in 2020 than you were last year, be not afraid, He's there, He'll help you. Amen. He's going to get them to the other shore. He'll get you to the other shore. Always. Trust me. I know, because I've been there. I've been in that storm so many times, I don't even want to think about it. And Jesus always got me to the other shore. There was a couple times I thought I wasn't going to make it. The water was getting here, you know. But Jesus always brought me through. And he will you too. And I'm talking about physical illness. I'm talking about burnout. I'm talking about, you know... I'd rather do anything than be a pastor. <laughs> and there are days that pastors feel like that, honestly. You know? And, but he said, be of good cheer. Or have, and literally, he, he said to them, have some courage. Have courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. And then one of the disciples says this. Here we go. And he's going to be a little bit more than he's been. Old Peter. And Peter said to Jesus, he saw him, he recognized him as Jesus. He said, when Jesus said that, he said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. In other words, let me come walking to you on the water. And Jesus said to him, come. And let me tell you something. If Jesus tells you to do something, you can do it. It sounded a little far-fetched. Now, I'm, by the way, I don't think you're going to see me walking in any water. But if Jesus tells me to do something for him, I think he's going to give me the strength to do it. Amen? And that's the storyline here. Whatever God calls you to do, his leading is his enabling. And Peter wanted to walk in that water. He says, come on, Peter. If Peter got out there walking on the water, can you imagine such a thing? The only man other than Jesus I know in the Bible that walked on water. And as long as he looked at Jesus, and as long as he focused on Jesus, he was okay. But when he got to noticing in verse 30, the wind was boisterous and and he was afraid, and, and he began to sink. In other words, the moment he quit looking at Jesus and started looking at the circumstances, he sank. And folks, if all we ever do is look at the circumstances and ourselves, we'll sink. The only way the ship of your life is going to stay buoyant is if what? If you trust in Jesus and look to him. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said, and you know what he said to him? Oh, thou of little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And then Jesus walked into the ship, and as soon as he did, guess what happened? The storm went away. 
Listen, there's not a storm of life, there's not a, a, a challenge of life in your life or mine that when Jesus comes into the picture, when you pray and ask Him to be Lord of it and to come into it, He's not going to bring peace and, and quell the storm. He will. He will. The conditions of the storm were enormous, but Jesus is greater than that. Amen. Greater than any storm. Thank you. Got an amen here. What about the rest of you? Amen. Okay. Let me ask you one more question here, because I want to make a point while we're here. I don't want to labor it too much. But when Peter walked out there on that water, and you believe me in this, Peter was safer than he was in the boat. Because he was closer to Jesus, he was focused on Jesus, and he was attempting to do something for Jesus. And I believe with all my heart he was never safer than when he walked out on that water. And we would say, oh boy, I'm walking on water. I don't know. He was safer walking on water, never safer. Peter was never safer in his life, the rest of his life, than walking on that water. Was, was Daniel safe in the lion's den? Say amen. amen. All right. He was safe in the lion's den. Yes, he was. The angels of God had come and shut the mouths of the lion and surrounded him. He was safe. In the arms of the angels, folks. When Jesus calls us to do something, and He may call you this year, He may stretch you this year. Listen, abide with us, help us, strengthen us. He will never fail us. He is always with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you, saith the Lord. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Yes, He's there. He's with you. We just had a speaker last Wednesday, Scott Huffman. You saw his testimony. A Southern Baptist pastor just decided one day he sold everything and he's a missionary in India. My goodness. What a testimony. What a testimony. Here is God's deliverance. He came into the ship, the wind ceased. He reached down, he pulled, he pulled him out. Peter out of the water. Then they were in the ship, came and worshipped and saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And you know, listen. Jesus, because of who he is. You see, the reason that Jesus can overcome everything in our life and help us and walk us through everything in our life, because of who he is. He's divine. He's God incarnate. He's the Son of God. And that makes him able. You see, he was the Lord of the storm. He could quell the storm because he's over nature. He can heal disease because he's over disease. He can, he can do anything. He's God of all flesh. He's God of the universe. Face it. If Jesus told the moon to come down, it'd come down. My Bible says that he is upholding all things, Hebrews 1, by the word of his power. Whew. Wow. Jeremiah Denton was a soldier in 
the Hanoi Hilton. And because he did something they didn't like, they broke his legs. Like with a, a wood stick. And they tortured these men tremendously. He was the one that blinked torture with his eyes on TV. When the North Vietnamese showed him. And in this horrible place, he wrote a book. He says, when hell was in session. But Jeremiah Denton was a Christian. And he told how they took shoe polish from their, and the little piece off their shoe string. And wrote notes on toilet paper. And they weren't just notes, they were Bible verses. And they took those pieces and, and made them a Bible He talks about Jesus was there. Giving him the strength to make it through. Now we look at Peter here sinking in the water and we go, ha, ha, look at Peter. Listen to me. Peter was not a buffoon here. He's a hero. He was the only one of those disciples that had the guts to get out of that boat and walk on water. Not a buffoon, a hero. We look at Peter that sometimes and laugh, but folks, we shouldn't be laughing. He should have got a award for that. He had the courage to get out of the boat. He got out of his comfort zone. And it really wasn't even a comfort zone in the, bo in the boat, was it? That was less than a comfort zone. He got out of less than a comfort zone and walked on the water. And he is the hero of the story here, really. Other than, of course, Jesus. And there's some lessons here for us. Trust Him, step out on faith, get out of the boat, be more than you can be. Be more than you can be. Do you trust God? Because of who He is? Trust Jesus because of who He is, the Son of God? And He worships and said, oh, you are the Son of God. You can do this. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Amen? Do you believe he can do anything? Yes. Is he with you now? Yes. Trust him, step out of faith, get out of the boat. God will do great things through you. God does not always promise great success, but he always blesses effort. Amen? Paul said, I planted, someone has watered, but God brings the increase. Now, we may do some planting and we may not see the fruit of that, church. We may go out here and knock on some doors and share Jesus and, and somebody gets saved and they end up at uh, First Baptist of Kannapolis. That's all right. God gave the increase. It doesn't necessarily... We're in the kingdom work. Amen? It's not about who gets what. It's about what's done. And I'd rather try and fail than not try at all. How about you? You know, Peter tried and he failed. But I'd rather have been Peter and tried and failed than to be those restless guys in the boat that have to live with that now. He was the only one that got out of that boat. You know, a guy came by and a guy was taking arrows and shooting up in the air. And he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm shooting at the moon. He started laughing. He said, well, you're not getting close. He said, I'm getting closer than you are. <laughs> you know? Tribulation brings patience. In other words, trials make us better. 
I know that's hard to accept. Folks, that's hard to accept. Amen? It is hard to accept, but tribulation makes us better. Lastly, God is calling Christians and the church in this generation to be more and to do more and to try more and to fulfill the Great Commission. Now let's think about and pray about what God would lead us to do this year. What will God lead our church in this year? What can God do for us? Let's commit ourselves to be more than we are in 2020. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and pray. Y'all did a good job. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, heads bowed and eyes closed everywhere across the room, Christians praying. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, Jesus loves you. He died for you on the cross. He paid your way to heaven. He died for your sins. You're a sinner just like we all are. But God loves you. If you're here this morning without Jesus, heads bowed and eyes closed all across the room, why don't you accept him, just call on him, just say, Jesus, I believe who you are. I'm trusting you as my Lord and Savior this morning. Save me. Take me to heaven someday. Give me eternal life through Christ. And folks, if you pray that prayer in faith and sincerity, he will save you. Would anyone here this morning raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'd like to accept Jesus this morning. I want to accept him as Savior and Lord. Anyone at all? Raise your hand. How many Christians in this room this morning would say, Pastor, I want you to pray that I'll be more than I am for Jesus this year. I'm going to be more than I am. Try to be. Not just going to be, but you're going to try to be. Amen. A lot of hands. Bless your heart. Lord, I want to pray first of all for these who indicated by hand that they're going to try to launch out, step out, get out of the boat, and step out on faith and be more for you this year than they have been in the past. And Lord, that goes for all of us. There's certainly more work to do than we can do, than all of us collectively can do. So, Lord, there's no shortage of work in God's house and in the ministry of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, bless them, help them, empower them, strengthen them, lead them. And, Lord, we thank you for this service this morning. And I pray if there are yet decisions to be made, we're going to sing an invitation here that they will come forth and make them. If they need to unite with the church, need to rededicate their life, need to make pray for someone who maybe is lost and wandering, or maybe themselves. Lord, I pray they would come. Maybe there's sickness or problems. Let them come and pray. Lord, we ask your blessing on this invitation. It's yours. It's not ours. It's yours. Bless it in Jesus' name. Amen.